We hear the stories all the time. Man gets 20 to life for deadly assault or women sentenced to 10 years for drug trafficking. More men and women are being sent to jail or prison every day, and even more are simply sitting in jails to await their trials. Why are there so many people behind bars? And what really goes on behind those iron doors? Better yet, what happens when the people get out? The only way to know is to go straight to the source. This is Justice Uncovered. My guest for today had a bit of a back and forth with the criminal justice system in his earlier days. However, he hasn't been back there in 30 years. Today we talk about his struggles in that time with employment and re-understanding society as we know it. I hope this opens your eyes the way it did mine. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, yes. I do want to kind of get a little bit of basic information. So first of all, what is your line of work right now? I'm retired. Well, I'm on disability. Okay. How long were you incarcerated for? Okay, it all depends on which time. Okay, because the last time I was incarcerated, it was for a year. And, and, and a year. And last time before that, it was six months. And time before that was eight years. Okay, and time for that, I think it was uh, a year, two, no, two and a half years. Okay. So what were what were all those incidents for, if you don't mind my asking? Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, one was a CCW. That's a can, can of concealed weapon. Mm. Okay, all right. Uh, time before that was, uh, let's see. Well, okay, well, the eight-year bid I did was for long assault, aggravated, aggravated robbery, attempted murder. Okay. And the other one was like, just, uh, one was for like B&E. Breaking in and, and basically like that. Mm-hmm. How old were you when all those incidents happened? Well, well, my first one, I was 17, starting off at 17, I turned 18. And that's when it first started off. So each, so you were 17 when it first started off where you kind of had this little back and forth with the system? Yes. When were you kind of... I'll say done with that. When did, because you said, say, the, uh, uh, well, I was done with, as far as, I really wasn't done then, but anyway, I, <laughs> I came home in 1990, you know, so then after that, I did it like a year. So after that, you know, I went, ended up going back for a year or whatever. But 1990 was really like the, the, the end of it for me. Okay. Around how old were you then? I was 30. All right. So this kind of covers the basic information kind of surrounding your record. However, I want to get to know your story because that's just kind of, you know, the what's on paper, what people will see. But I want to know what your real story is. So kind of what was like who you are. I want to get to know who you are and not just what would be on paper. Okay, well, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, People change, okay. When I first started off, I was totally somebody else. I, I really wasn't, I was a nice guy and everything, but I was just trying to be really out here in the streets myself because, like I said, I was, uh, I was out on my own since I was what, 16, 17, something up in that area there. I was out on my own and there, you know what I'm saying? So I had to do it more or less, well, not with 15, maybe 15, 16, I was out primarily on my own. And so I had to, you know, make up for the things I needed, you know, in life. And I met Ross, you know, 
doing things. I ended up doing things, ended up going to jail. Then I got out out of jail, came home, and within that same year, I ended up going back for aggravated robbery, attempted murder, thrown assault, you know, and did a year bit out of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I ain't say I was a nice guy, but you know, once you once you go to penitentiary, penitentiary changes you. You might not have been, you might have been a nice guy, you might even not have been a, a real criminal. But once you go in penitentiary, it, it changes you into whatever. If you're not watching, especially if you're young, you're more or less uh, uh, manipulated by the system. You believe in, you know, about the people around you, about the criminals around you. You know what I'm saying? You're getting indoctrinated. Now, once you get indoctrinated, you more or less think you're a criminal or you start doing criminal things, activities, and doing, you know what I'm saying, uh, thinking like criminal, you know. Right. So you more or less been brainwashed. Basically, that's what happened. In the course of time, over over the years of time, you know, I, you know, I, I ain't saying I'm still brainwashed. I'm just saying that it, it leaves, it leaves it, it's sin, it's, it's sin on you. You know that you know your activity or how you had to live in, within the penitentiary mm-hmm. is always in you. You know, what I'm saying that you know, you know, you have to fight for what you want, and you have to be, you have to be, you, be, you have to be hard. You know what I'm saying? If you get into a struggle, you you know, fight or something, you, you you be trying to really hurt a person. Right. Like I said, the penitentiary is still in you. So, you know, and then you, you don't want to argue and all this other stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's just, there's a lot of stuff involved in being when you go to penitentiary. And then when you come back out, it's, it's hard to adjust. Right. So, I guess, because you did say that it's just becomes part of you, because right. you're just so, you have to almost, you're brainwashed in order to be able to survive in that system. So right. do you think that followed you when you were released? Yes, it did. It did, it most certainly did. It followed me because, let me put it to you, like when I first come home, I was a different person you know, than I am now. You know what I'm saying? I was doing things and, you know, I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. You know what I'm saying? Then, as time went on, I started to change my mind because I didn't want to go back to the penitentiary. So I started doing other things. It got me a job and everything, you understand? It? Mm-hmm. You know, but I was out here robbing and so forth before I changed my mind. And then if I had a confrontation with other people, you know, I, you know, I gave them what they wanted. They wanted a confrontation, I gave them what they wanted. So, you know, so I had, ended up changing my mind, you know, uh, more or less started maturing. That's why I would put it like that. I started maturing, started realizing that penitentiary if I keep going this way I might end penitentiary for the rest of my life so I started changing my mind up I started like go and get you a job go and do this you know do the things I need to do before I can stay out the penitentiary because basically all all it was about was survival if you right. got a job and you got money you you survive I mean you might not be surviving like you wanna but you, you don't have to ask nobody for nothing you don't have to you know what about anybody looking uh, come and take this from you and all this old and put you in jail and all that. So I, I changed my mind, started living a different lifestyle. Right. You know, so, but penitentiary does brainwash you, especially if you're young. I can definitely imagine. Yeah, especially after you've seen some of the stuff you've seen in there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a horror show in there, inside the walls. People die on a daily basis there. Yeah. Yeah. So... Even as you are now, because you have, you know, it was a bit of a back and forth before you decided, no, okay, I'm done. I want to start living my life right. 
Do you think that that period of being incarcerated all those times, do you think it's permanently changed you? And if so, how? Well, it permanently changed you because no matter what, uh, you know, you know what recidivism means. It means to go back to, right? you know what I'm saying? Okay, well, like I say, I was brainwashed in a lot of ways, you understand? But at the same token that if somebody pushed me or really, you know, you know, go out their way to hurt me or push me in certain kind of ways, certain things, you understand? Yes, I would, I would resort back to what I knew, what I learned in the penitentiary. But the anger would come up out of me, you know, <clears throat> that I had in the penitentiary, how I had to survive and all the fights I got into to make it so, sure I survived. So, yes, it would. Uh, it, it still has this lingering. It's still lingering there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's always going to be there. Because, like I said, you got to realize the trials and tribulations a person go through as far as inside the penitentiary, you know, you seen guys getting raped. You seen guys getting stabbed. You seen guys getting extorted. You seen you seen all type of stuff. And then you know you had these guys poach you and think they can do this to you and you what you had to do to stop them and and uh, make sure that you know you don't become a a victim. Make sure you don't become a victim. So yes, it's it's gonna be there. It's always gonna be there. But then, because you kind of made a determination to not go back, even though it's always there, you don't always give in to it in your everyday life. Right. Was there anything else that made that adjustment back into, you know, society that made it difficult? Yes, society itself. You know, you know, the time doesn't stop. The world doesn't stop once you go to penitentiary. It still goes on. Even though you, okay, there's repetitions in the penitentiary. Everything's more or less the same thing, the same cycle over and over and over again. You see new faces here and there, whatnot. That's the right. same thing, basically the same thing. But out here, it doesn't change. It's changed out here. You know what I'm saying? New houses, new buildings, new people, and so forth. Kids have grown up, uh, uh, adults now, and so forth. So when you come back from outside, from inside, you come out here, have a long, long stretch. You okay, give you a proud example. When I went to the penitentiary first, when I went to the penitentiary, did my bed and came home, mm-hmm. air was free. You used to be able to go to the gas pump, any gas station, and get air. It was free. I didn't know my, my, sister, had, my sister had a flat in her car. And uh, well, she needs some air. I went there trying to put some air in it and couldn't get no air. She asked me, did I put some money in? I said, put some money in what? I said, air free, ain't it? And they started laughing at me because even though it was so small, it, it was a big change. Air wasn't free no more. So mm-hmm. it's like I say, society, the outside world continues to move on. I didn't even know what a microwave was when I come home. So I didn't even know how to work one or nothing. Didn't even know what it was. I was still heating my food up on the stove. And the kids were going there, you know, the kids were going there, heat their food up. It'd be steaming hot. And I'm looking at them. And I put mines on the stove and heat mines up on the stove. They didn't have microwaves when I when I went to the penitentiary. And when I come out, they, you know, they got microwaves now. I didn't, I, I didn't even know how to work a microwave. You know, and, you know so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a period of adjustment when I come home for me, you know, to be able to understand what was going on and see society a whole lot different. Like I said, society kept moving. And basically in my world of my life, years I was doing in the penitentiary, more or less they stagnated. So, yes, it's a, it's a hell of a difference. I can definitely imagine. Yes. Did that difficulty, did that also apply when you were looking for a job? Because I know that you said you were trying to, that you got yourself a job afterwards. Was that process made a little difficult as a result of your time in the penitentiary? Yeah, it was because I had skills, though, but I didn't have the experience and a lot of things that, you know, I was applying, applying for. You know, so I went through a temporary agency 
to get a job. And, and from now, once I got a job there, I can, you know, not work there six months. I could actually go from there and, and apply for other jobs elsewhere. And I was able to get a, get a job, you know. I was able to go back into my field. And then for a while until, you know, I got old enough, I didn't want to work that no more. So I came back out there and I started doing other things. But it was hard. It was difficult because they said, you know, they got advertising. They told me to do that from penitentiary job. Yeah, but what kind of job? What kind of skill did you actually teach him while he was there? You got 2,000, over 2,000 guys in one penitentiary. Now, during the course of that time, that 2,000, uh, in the course of the time of whoever bit there is. Now, let me just show you how, that's how let me just explain something to you how, how it works in the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Now, say that you got a five-year stretch. Okay, you got to do five years. And you apply for maybe uh, auto mechanics. You want to go in and learn something about auto mechanics, okay? They won't give you they won't give you that auto mechanic job until you to until you about two years or a year or so or, or get ready to be released. Instead of giving you the skill and teaching you the skill and maybe you can pick up one or two more trades. Or, you know, why did, you know, some of them, when you get out, you can at least apply for two, three different types of jobs because you know how to do these jobs. Right. They give you this job, they're nice send you to school. But mostly you'd be having jobs like you'd be working in a child hall, you'd be working on a field, you'd be uh, working in the coal mine, you might be uh, shoveling the coal, you might be going to uh, pig pen, shoveling the shit, cleaning out the pig pen and so forth. Now, they do have trades there where they teach you how to cut up meats and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them jobs you won't, you, uh, a lot of them places you won't get until you, like six months ready to come home. Yeah, or maybe four months, or sometimes not at all. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, and then like I said, it, it, it's, it goes, it's better, it's better if you, okay, let's say, Dave, if you go there and got a job, go straight to whatever field you want to go to, your chance of getting a run of parole increases. But they don't do it like that. They wait till they make, you get you three, four years, and then, then they won't put you in particular uh, in the field that you want to go. By that time, you don't even want to go in the field because you don't find something else you want to do. Then they make you go to school. Then you go to school. They are, you know, you go to school, get try to get your GED. Some guys go to college, you know, college there and so forth. I mean, it's, it's don't get me wrong. They do help you in a lot of ways if you want to help yourself. But at the same token, though, it, it, it hinders you because they don't they don't give you the stuff you really need. I'm telling some like a lot of stuff is like outdated. Right. It's not, you know, you know, it's not up to date and so forth. So, you know, you like kind of lost when you come out here. Right. And like you said earlier, because time doesn't stop in society, even though things are kind of stagnated behind bars, there's a very big, there's very large gap right. between the two because you're saying, okay, I learned this in the penitentiary, but it doesn't even apply anymore. And I was only in here for a year or something right. like that. Okay, right. You know, and then if you come in the penitentiary for a year, you do not get to get to go to the uh, trade schools at all. At all, no, no. You don't go. You don't. You don't get to those for the guys who are doing a, a nice stretch, you know, three, two to three years, three years, four years stretch. The ones who are doing like they call, we call them short time, they ain't gonna be there but for a minute. So what? what what's the use of teaching them this skill of you know, all this? They don't like I said. They some of them ain't gonna learn it all. Learn all the other things they need to learn, and then you know you gotta give it to a guy who who really be, gonna be there for years and give him the skill, let him go home. But they ain't think about it. If you get a short time skill, he can go home and not come back. Do you know how many people I have seen uh, who have, with lack of education come back because they didn't they didn't do nothing, go out there and do the same thing they know how to do? 
or or heard a story of some other guys, and you know, what I'm saying we're not going to try to apply it out there and, and end up coming back to the penitentiary. Right. A lot of them, yeah. So you know, it, it, short time is just uh, need needed just as bad as long time do. The way they had to set up short time don't get to get to go to uh, go to school like that. But then they say, then they say it, t- it takes so long because you got you got two thousand guys in each each uh at least two thousand guys in each facility. Okay, all depends on how big the facility is. So some of them have over twenty three hundred, twenty five hundred, something like this here. But that's a lot of people to. And then, then you don't have the staff or the teachers, rather. You don't have the teachers to teach all these classes because they're working, they're working on, uh, on so much money themselves. Right. I need to stop here in order to provide some context to this interview. It'll be split into two parts, so the significance of what's being said isn't overlooked. If you recall, my guest returned home in 1990, which means he was incarcerated in the 80s. Despite being so long ago, many of the issues he described remain true today and have actually gotten worse. For example, he mentioned how old he was when he entered the system in the first place. He was only 17. He wasn't even a legal adult yet, and he spent the next 12 years in and out of prison. That's the story of many, unfortunately. Roughly a quarter of a million teenagers come into contact with the criminal justice system each year, and here's the reason. They're immature, they're impulsive, The part of their brain that helps them make calculated decisions hasn't been fully developed yet, so they tend to be more reckless. As they grow, of course, they age out of that and start to understand the impact of their actions and behaviors. Some behaviors are hard to drop, though, especially after being in prison. My guest also mentioned a few of the horrors he witnessed while incarcerated and how they scarred him for life. Who wouldn't be, though? Similar to military personnel, prisoners experience a lot of trauma while serving their time, such as rape and all types of assault including shanking, which is another word for stabbing. Inmates have to figure out how to survive by any means necessary, and living with that mindset day in and day out affects how a person perceives situations. This is even worse today because many prisons and jails are severely overcrowded, much more than they were in the 80s when my guest was imprisoned. With so many inmates to house and watch after, prison officials and staff implement a very regimented lifestyle cut off from nearly all outside influence. Upon release, ex-cons go from having a predetermined routine with no external stimuli to having complete freedom, seemingly endless options, and new developments all at once. It can be quite overwhelming to take in and difficult to adapt to, especially if not well prepared. In the last bit, my guests touch on the inadequate preparation inmates receive prior to their release. Both now as well as then, prisoners are not taught the skills they need to succeed on the outside. Resources are few and far between, leaving teachers with little to work with, and the information and methods taught to the inmates while incarcerated no longer apply by the time they're released. This, of course, places ex-cons at an extreme disadvantage when looking and applying for jobs. Not only is this not fair, it's not right, and it's wasteful. Over 2 million people are sitting in jail or prison right now. That's 2 million less people in the workforce. At least 70 million other Americans have criminal records, thus barring many of them from working as well. Just how long will this go on? When does it end? We tackle these questions and more next time on Justice Uncovered.